Hello and welcome to Just a Thought Podcast, episode 20. I'm Corey Tinkham. Some people have turned up all across our world with seemingly no past, no evidence of where they're from, when they were born, where their family is, who they are, etc. Some folks have turned up with all these and some other very strange features about their life. Today's topic, mysterious people, most of which seem to not even have a past or hide it very, very well. So stick around. Let's talk about mysterious people. Again, and thanks for joining me on episode 20, Mysterious People. Some very, very strange things have happened when people turn up with uh, absolutely no past, apparently. No past, no identification. Sometimes they don't even know who they are. So very, very weird things. But first, I would like to say thank you. To all those who have emailed me some of their stories, whether it has been UFO accounts, shadow people, whatever the case, starting to get some emails coming in. So very cool. I'm going to do, eventually, once I compile enough emails and get permission enough to make an episode, we'll do kind of like a mailbag episode where I will share some of these very, very strange um, experiences that some of our listeners have had. It's very, very cool to see... Uh, to receive some of these emails and read all of these accounts. There's a lot of weird stuff out there, so I think it would be really, really fun and interesting to kind of get to know some of our our listeners and and just share some of the experiences that they have had. Very, very interesting stuff. So keep the stories coming. Podcastjat at gmail.com. Send along an experience, and it can be anything. UFOs, shadow people, Maybe you've seen Bigfoot or anything that's just mysterious that would that would fit kind of what we talk about here. Um, maybe you've had a strange coincidence in your life and you'd be willing to share that. That would be great. So yeah, send along some emails, keep them coming, and we will do a mailbag episode. I think that would be a, a lot of fun to do. So without further ado, mysterious people. Now... My friend had a great idea for an episode. He said, you should do one on on double lives, people that lead double lives. And there are a ton of fascinating cases. However, a lot of the times they're solved. And I kind of like to keep the mystery open in the stories that we cover here on Just a Thought. That said, there are some really crazy stories about people leading double lives out there 
that you can definitely chase that down a rabbit hole for sure. But one thing I found while researching Double Lives was these mysterious people that have popped up, some of which I had heard of, others I had not. So I thought, well, here we go. This is really, really kind of crazy and very bizarre. Some of these stories are are really, really strange. So I thought, man, well, that's what I'll do. We'll, we'll make the episode about, you know, these mysterious appearances of these people that don't seem to have any past or at least not a knowledge of their past sometimes. Very, very strange stuff. A lot of these stories are from a long, long time ago, and there are certain accounts that, are, that differ a little bit here and there. So, I, you know, some of these, I'm sure, probably have been embellished over the years, maybe are completely false. I tried to keep to stories that there seem to be... Um, several accounts of and even records of. So most of these, I feel like there's something to them. There, there was something that happened. Somebody showed up. There was an actual person. Uh, but that said, you, you never know. Once so much time passes, information can get a little, a little muddied because especially when you're talking about something that happened in, say, the 1800s, over time, the story may start off as word of mouth, and then someone may write it down and document it, but at that point, the story has changed. It's become the whisper game, where it started as one story, and over time, it has been passed down for generations sometimes, and, you know, it does tend to change. So keep that in mind with all of these. That said, let's get into it. Some really, really weird stuff. Oh, and yes, another thing to consider with these... Keep thinking of the double life idea is that people in these cases a lot of the times I believe are just really, really good at covering up their past and who they are. It, I believe a lot of the times that's the case. Everybody has a past. Obviously, everybody has a past. So some of these people I think are just really good at covering covering it up. For whatever reason, they don't want people to know who they are. And they're going to go to some extreme lengths to make sure that their past is neatly tucked away and locked away forever. As you'll see, some of these some of these people just don't don't check out at all. So, first case. The first case I'm going to talk about is that of Jerome of Sandy Cove. And this took place in 1863, and this is one where there are several accounts where some details vary. So, this, this, this happened in Canada, in Nova Scotia, on Sandy Cove Beach. There was an eight-year-old boy, and some of the accounts say there were two boys. At any rate, this eight-year-old boy, or boys, were just out on the beach playing on the beach, as young boys do, and they find this man. And he is, he's very cold, he's suffering from exposure. He also didn't have any legs. So they find, they find this man, and they take this man, they alert their, their family, and their family comes, and they, they bring this man into their home. And they live in a village called Digby Neck. And they learned that he didn't speak any English. 
and he would he would really just kind of grunt and the only the only time it sounded as if he was speaking a language was then they when they tried to ask him who he was he muttered a word that sounded like Jerome so therefore that's how they called him Jerome and that's how he got his name Jerome of of Sandy Cove but other than that he would just grunt and growl even like a dog very strange and also his legs were were freshly amputated there there were still dressings on the wounds on his legs where they were amputated very very weird they didn't know what to do they they took this man into their home out of the kindness of their hearts uh you know he was pretty much dying from exposure has these fresh amputation wounds what do you do what does someone do the man can't speak english so you can't get any information about who he is about his past and he doesn't seem to be speaking any language at all and upon further examination when looking under his dressings his amputation wounds were not only fresh but they were they were surgical it wasn't as if it was an accident had happened and he was bandaged up his legs were purposefully removed for whatever reason he certainly wasn't communicating that reason so as time goes on the the people of derby neck decide that he may be catholic and i couldn't find how they came to this conclusion but they thought that he was he was of a catholic faith so they sent him off to the nearby Acadian community of Metagon and he was taken in by a Corsican Canadian named Jean Nicola who tried speaking French to him Latin Spanish Italian Jerome did not respond he either didn't speak these languages or he didn't want to so again there's kind of this hint that he some of this maybe purposeful acting on his part he doesn't he doesn't want to know or he doesn't want anyone to know what language he speaks what nationality he is what religion he is he's just grunting still and growling and has a has quite a temper as well nicola keeps him in his home for the next 7 years and you know he's got a wife a stepdaughter uh who jerome actually kind of befriended his stepdaughter her name was Madeline and they seemed to get along fairly well now during his stay with Nicola uh the government the local government there found out uh, you know heard about this unidentified man you know that was being cared for he had no legs so they granted a $2 weekly stipend to Nicola for caring for this man Nicola was a linguist and he tried working over this period of 7 years with Jerome and Jerome never learned to speak any language only grunt and growl the whole time he never was able to learn a language now was he not able to learn a language or did he just feign that he was not able to learn any language very strange eventually nicola's wife passes away and he is just Nicole is just not up to the task of caring for the man any longer and he is sent to a nearby town called St. Alphonse. And there was a family by the name of Camus who took him in 
and they cared for him, but it was a little bit exploitative because they would they would charge people to come and view him, and they would collect money for people to come and and take a look at this strange strange man. And they also were able to continue to collect that two dollar weekly stipend for caring for Jerome, and there he stayed. He stayed with the Camus for the rest of his life. He died in 1912, 50 years after he was found on the beach. Nobody ever figured out who this man was. And I did read an account where two women came to visit him and spoke in private to him in a, in a strange language. I don't know if there's much validity to that particular variant of the story. I read it once, and I actually couldn't find the website again when I went back to, to look into it a little deeper. So I don't know if there's anything to that. If there is, it even deepens the mystery because it's just adding another layer to the, to the strangeness. Now, there's a book about Jerome by a man named Fraser Mooney Jr. The name of the book is Jerome, Solving the Mystery of Nova Scotia's Silent Castaway. Uh, so if you want to get some more in-depth information... You can certainly get that book and, and read up on it. It's a very strange, strange case. Interesting. Now, the second story I'm going to go into is that of Monsieur Shushani, or Professor Shushani, as he often referred to himself. Professor Shushani was a Jewish teacher, and he just appears in Paris and begins teaching in 1947. Here's the thing about Shushani. He was described as being a pretty repugnant person as far as his appearance. He was described as looking like a hobo. He was described as as being unclean looking, very hairy, disheveled all the time. And he actually was very well-traveled. He traveled around the world, but only stayed with friends who would give him room and board and was seemingly had no money and absolutely never talked about his past or who he was. Shushani was a nickname. It was not his real name. And no one could ever figure out where he came from or who he was. And he taught in Paris from 1947 to 1952 when he disappeared briefly and then reappears. But during his time teaching, his pupils would often be a little put off by his appearance. But after spending time with Shushani, they all, all his pupils, had nothing but Amazing things to say about his knowledge of philosophy, science, mathematics. And he had some rather notable students, such as Nobel Peace Prize winning author Elie Weissel. Now, Weissel wrote that Shushani was, quote, dirty, hairy, and looked like a hobo turned clown or a clown playing hobo, end quote. (laughs) So... This, man, this man's appearance was, was really off-putting, um, to say the least. It, it seems to be the, the first description anybody gives when they talk about meeting Shushani. Uh, there was a French philosopher named Emmanuel Levinas. Uh, 
He says, quote, his external appearance is quite unpleasant, some say even repugnant, end quote. But Shoshani leaves a massive, strong impression on his students. Again, they called him a master, a master of philosophy and mathematics. And both those two men claimed that he was their most influential teacher ever. So this man knows his stuff. He has learned all this information somewhere, but is vehemently guarded about his past, and no one ever knew who he was. I think that's pretty pretty fascinating. So again, he pops up in Paris in 1947, teaches until roughly 1952, and then disappears. Shows up in Israel, disappears again, shows up again briefly in Paris, and then finally settles in South America, where he lived until he passed away. And after that, there's really not much else known about this man. Uh, Other than that, he was born in 1895, roughly, they estimate, but the location is unknown. So his name, Shushani, is, it's thought to be a nickname, but Nobody even knows why he was given that nickname. Perhaps he just gave it to himself. Uh, it's, it's very, very vague. So he passes away in 1968, and he's, he's buried in Montevideo, Uruguay. And Weissel actually pays for his headstone and has inscribed on the headstone this, quote, The wise rabbi Shushani of blessed memory. His birth and his life are sealed in enigma. End quote. And I think that's pretty accurate. So who was this man who was a scholar, a philosopher? Who taught him? Where did he come from? Fascinating. And why did he choose to live the lifestyle he, he led? There's so much unknown about him. Talk about a double life. This man was living it, but really guarded about his past for some reason. Was he running from something? Was he trying to hide something? Or did he just decide to kind of live a vagabond life and teach other people things that he had learned throughout his life? You can wonder. The possibilities are endless, and it goes on and on. And it really is a mystery, because I think a lot of answers, of course, died with him. So fascinating story now this last case or story that I want to talk about is some say it's pretty much a hoax I don't know I've read about this this particular story for several years now and it seems to carry the same weight as other stories from its time period I think maybe something did occur here but maybe again as I said in the beginning it's a little embellished or the story has sort of became the whisper game and worked itself into something completely different than what actually happened. But so far as we know, as the account goes, this is what happened. And this is about a man named Casper Hauser. And he was found when he was 17 and he was aimlessly, very, very confused, wandering the streets of Nuremberg, Germany. 
1828. And he's just walking the streets, very confused, and people start to notice him and reach out to assist him. And as he's being helped by passersby, he has two letters on him, and one of the letters is from his caretaker. And this letter explains that he raised the boy from, from an infant and tried to tutor him in reading and writing, uh, taught him religion, but he never allowed him to leave the house. So this boy was, was kept inside his entire life. And so he could read, he could write, but he had zero social skills. I mean, this, this is apparently his first time out of, of the house. And the, the second letter was apparently from his mother. And she says that he was born on April 30th, 1812, and that his name was Caspar Hauser, and that his father was a cavalryman, but had, had been killed. Uh, the odd thing here is, is that both letters were in the same handwriting. Caspar is handed over to Captain von Wissenig, and Wissenig takes him into his home. So once Caspar Hauser is in Wissenig's home and kind of settling in, they try to deduce who this boy is. And all he'll say is that he wants to be a cavalryman like his father, and he'll often just shout the words, horse, horse. He seemed to be very obsessed with horses, but when asked any other question, anything else, he would burst into tears and scream, don't know, don't know. So he's very easily agitated and very easily upset, which would be the case with someone who is literally out of the house for the first time in 16 or 17 years. So already very strange. They eventually learn a little more once they are able to get information out of him. He claims, Casper claimed that he was held in a dark room for as long as he could remember with a single wool blanket and two wooden horses and a tiny dog. And he was fed nothing but bread and water. And interestingly, he refused to eat anything except bread and water once he was was taken in and he could not stand meat he had he he would not eat meat uh, he was rather repulsed by the idea of it so another little interesting tidbit there he claimed that he never saw his caretaker never saw his face he did say that sometimes he would drink water that had a very bitter taste to it but then would fall asleep, and when he woke up, he would see find that his hair had been cut, his nails had been cut, he had been groomed. Um, he was, very, again, very obsessed with horses. And if, if anybody gave him anything to do with hoi- horses, a toy horse, or a drawing of a horse, he was ecstatic. It was like a kid on Christmas morning. So this obsession with horses was very, very prevalent. One thing that... that they found to be odd was that he was in extremely good health and very fit. For someone who was kept inside 
it, it just didn't seem to add up. But he claimed that he was taught how to walk and and run by a man whose face he never saw, but was also the man that taught him to say, I want to be a cavalryman like my father. And he didn't know what this phrase meant. Interestingly, he did speak, they realized, with an older Bavarian accent. For whatever that's worth. The whole thing is very, very, very strange. Hauser is eventually taken into the home of a schoolmaster by the name of George Dahmer. And he begins, Dahmer begins instructing Hauser on reading and writing and also drawing. Casper Hauser ends up having an extreme talent for drawing, which is odd for someone who apparently had never drawn before or had the opportunity to draw or or anything. And you can actually find some of his drawings online. I will see if I can't link to them in the episode notes. Interesting, to say the least. After about a year living with Dahmer, Hauser starts getting injured a lot. It's it's kind of bizarre. It starts hap- happening suddenly. Uh, one day he's found in, in the cellar with a head wound. And he said he was attacked by a man in a hood who told him, quote, you'll still have to die ere you leave the city of Nuremberg, end quote. Hauser said it was the same man who took him and dropped him off in Nuremberg because he recognized the voice. So this is, this is an odd development in this whole story. So Hauser is moved to a different home, which to a home of uh, what would be the equivalent of a, a police officer uh, nowadays. This was an authority of the, the town of Nuremberg. And six months after that, a pistol. A pistol goes off in Hauser's room, and he's found with another head wound. Now, he claimed that he had accidentally knocked the pistol off the wall where it was hanging. And the thing about this is that it was a pretty basic minor head wound. Not something that you would think of if you were accidentally shot in the head by knocking a gun off the wall. So there's some suspicion here about these these wounds and these injuries. So they move him again to a different home, to the home of Baron von Tucher, who also complains about Casper and his ego and his, his lying. He calls him a, a, a liar, a codger, and says that his, he's very vain, doesn't like him at all, and it's just not going well. He is acting up quite a bit to the point that no one can stand him being in their home. So Casper is moved around to various different homes and every single one of them kicks him out. One caretaker is quoted as saying, quote, Hauser is a smart, scheming codger, a rogue, a good-for-nothing that ought to be killed, end quote. Now that's a, that's a really st- strong statement. So apparently Casper Hauser was, was acting up to the point where it was just intolerable. No one could tolerate him being in their home. In fact, it in 1833, 
at yet another schoolmaster's home, he, Casper, is found with a stab wound in his chest. And he claims that a, a mysterious man came up with this purse containing a letter and stabbed him. The purse is found, and there is a, a, some writing, which is Spiegel, Schrift, which is German mirror writing. But in English translated, it says this, quote, Hauser will be able to tell you quite precisely how I look and from where I am. To save Hauser the effort, I want to tell you myself from where I come. I come from the Bavarian border on the river. I will even tell you my name. M-L-O, end quote. Nobody believed it. They thought the letter was fake because of all the lies. It's kind of like the boy that cried wolf scenario here. Nobody's buying it. And they think these injuries are are self-inflicted. In fact, uh, another clue that this is all a ruse was that the letter was folded into this strange kind of triangle shape that Hauser was known to use when he folded paper. And there were there were some spelling errors that were typical of Hauser. So, I mean, it's kind of obvious that he was maybe faking this. Unfortunately, the wound was bad enough that he does pass away from this wound three days later. So, it does appear that he was responsible for a lot of these... Uh, Injuries looks like they were self-inflicted. The the letter that was found. Who knows? Very very strange. And what about his past? Where did he come from? And again, is this all a hoax? And if it is, when did that originate? What started this story? Where does this story really truly begin? Because I I've I did some digging. This seems like Casper Hauser was an actual person. Uh, there are accounts that are out there. Now, I know, you know, internet, I get it. <laughs> but it seems legit, but it just seems a little, it does seem a little far-fetched with some aspects of the story. That said, it's a very interesting story makes for a good read, and, you know, you could try and figure out where he came from. They did try in 1996, because some historians believed that he was a lost prince of Baden. And in 1996, they took a blood sample of Hauser's and compared to samples of the remaining living members of the House of Baden. And no match. So it remains a mystery. I mean, we know Caspar Hauser was a real person. He's a real person, but is all the, are all these stories true? How much of this is hoax? How much of it, it? I think this is one of those things that, you know, maybe we'll just never know. Unless there's somebody or documentation that can shed some light, this may be one that just has to be left as it is. <laughs> you know, we may never know. So, hey, that's all I've got for this one. There's a ton of mysterious people 
with no past. And for time's sake, uh, you know, going to cut it off here. But what that will allow me to do is do another episode of these because they're really fun to look into. Again, a lot of them are sheer speculation because some of them are very, very old stories, to be fair. So, but fun nonetheless and fun to kind of sink your teeth into and, and try and figure out and do, do a little sleuthing. I think a lot of these are entirely possible that they were just people living a double life. Shout out to my friend with his double life episode idea. I think maybe that's kind of what we're talking about with a lot of these cases, is that people that wanted to escape their past have found a way or found a way to do it, and they were successful. So we have Shushani, who is this great philosopher and teacher. Was he running away from something? Was he? Why was he so vehemently trying to hide his past? So maybe this double life happened, and he was successful, and he did it, and nobody knew the wiser. Nobody could figure it out. I think it's a lot harder nowadays with the, you know, technology we have and, you know, the internet. We, we leave a trail of who we are. So it's interesting um, and mysterious. But I think that is a lot of what's happening here. Don't know that that's the case with Casper uh, Hauser. That one's a little bizarre to me. But the, the other two, I think maybe we've got some people that were succeeding at living a double life or definitely trying to hide their past, which is fascinating. Um, it, it, there's a story there that may never be told. And for whatever reason, that bugs me. I want to know what the answer is. But good reading nonetheless. So thank you so much for joining me on this episode, episode 20. I really appreciate it. Again, keep the emails coming. Podcastjat at gmail.com. Let's really try and get a mailbag episode happening. I think that would be really cool. Uh, the podcast is definitely growing. I'm seeing a lot more downloads as the weeks go on, which is really, really cool. So please feel free to give me feedback on anything you want to hear as far as content, as far as anything. It, it Does it sound okay? I'm working with... Uh, kind of an older microphone. I did buy a new one, and it actually wasn't that great compared to what I'm using now. So, you know, little things like that really help me out and make your experience as a listener even better. So any feedback is certainly welcome. Hey, tune in next week. I'm going to do an episode on auras. People say they can see an aura around people. I don't know anything about them. I've never even looked into them, so it's going to be an interesting thing. I've often wondered about people say they can see an aura around people, and there's an energy, and there's a vibe. You know, you feel vibes, which I, you know, you feel a certain way about certain people, and you kind of have an instinct, or you pick up on a vibe. So what's that all about? I don't know, but I'm going to look into it. Auras, next week. I have no idea. We'll see what we come up with. Thanks again so much for tuning in. And as always, be well.